Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, lead faculty for Influential You and your co-host for this weekly podcast. And I'm joined by my co-host, Influential You founder and co-founder and CEO, John Patterson. You'll see him in a second, but he's back from vacation and not a moment too soon. I'm going to look at him real quick, John. Welcome back. There's his hand. You see him now. At Influential U, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we welcome my good friend, Matthew Hagem, to the Influential U podcast. Matthew Hagem is the founder and CEO of 10kcreators.com, a social enterprise whose mission is to help 10,000 creators achieve financial freedom through mentorship, training, and access critical resources. In his role, Matthew helps professional artists make and manage their money by serving as their business advisor, coach, mentor, and consultant. In his 18 plus years in the accounting industry, he has served in leadership and growth roles at various firms, consultants, and we works with entrepreneurs and small business owners. He has been the member of various boards, including the Sage Accounting Advisory Council, Women Talk Money Advisory Board, the Greenwich Village Chelsea Chamber of Commerce, and Pinnacle. Matthew has been recognized by CPA Practice Advisor as a 20 under 40 superstar, has been featured as featured speaker at QuickBooks Connect and the ZeroCon, has published 30 plus articles for the Accountex Report, Smart CEO, and Entrepreneur.com. He's an alumni of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, has completed the Fundamentals of Transaction Program, and currently in our Thrive Program. And just wait, there's more because there's a whole second side to him. There's the artist side. As an artist, Matthew has 18 plus years of experience performing choreography, choreographing and teaching in modern and contemporary dance and was the co-founder of two New York City-based dance companies. He's performed at arts festivals, cabarets, and theaters throughout the mid-Atlantic region, including Dixon Place, The Tank, the New Dance Alliance's Performance Mix Festival, the, um, John, I'm going to say it wrong, Gloucester, Gloucester New Arts Festival. You'd think a guy from New England would be able to get that. The Trans Modern Festival and DC's Raw Festival, and the list of his accomplishments goes on and on and on. Matthew Hagem lives in Seattle, Washington. And I like to describe him as the best connector I've ever met because he makes me look like a wallflower. Please welcome Matthew Hagem to the Influential You podcast. Matthew, how, how, is, how are you feeling now? I'm feeling great. I like that guy who you're talking about. So he's kind of like he knows a few things. There you yeah, go. I love yeah. that. Yeah. What a great list. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and here's Matthew, here's what we'll, we'll just kind of start with. I know that I, I just read a lot of your accomplishments, but in your own words, could you describe your business and, and what you do for artists uh, with 10K Creators? Yeah, totally. Um, so I, I think it, it is best summarized as helping artists to improve how they make and manage money. That is literally what it's about at the end of the day. But that looks different for, for every artist, depending on the circumstance they're in. So I have clients right now who are running arts organizations, who are running nonprofit agencies, but they um, are wondering how they can generate revenue uh, through earned income strategies. And so with, with one case in point, an example of collaboration actually with one of my clients, 
a dance company out of DC. We're building a whole new program around building racial equity in the arts through dance, where people are actually financially contributing to this infrastructure and this program. And, and so that's one example on an organizational side. Um, I've got clients on an individual side who um, can't rely on grants simply because there aren't enough of them and the consistency of that funding resources um, is low and, and, and inconsistent. And so we're building e-commerce platforms to help them generate revenue between, um, between those moments. And then other clients are, are kind of running sound businesses and doing what they need to do, um, but they're capable of more, first of all. And secondly, um, they have some things around their financial lives that they just haven't taken care of, ranging from um, you know, developing saving habits or uh, thinking about more long-term things like end-of-life stuff that is essential as part of their legacy planning. So for me, it's really about saying, okay, first of all, what, what are you doing today around making and managing your money? What do you want to be doing as a creator in the world? And what's stopping you from getting from point A to point, point B? Let's figure out what those obstacles are and let's just start breaking them down. And clearly, mm. sometimes that means that that's me holding the space as a coach, as a business mentor, as an advisor. Um, and, and sometimes that means we're bringing in partners like financial advisors or CPAs or book, bookkeepers or even attorneys or insurance agents to help troubleshoot and, and really support um, the things that need to go into the ingredients of their financial success. So that's, that's what I'm focused on. Mm. That's, that's, John, any, anything to ask? I mean, about with all of that expertise right there. Well, Matthew, I, I, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to get to know you this way because I, I only know you just ever so slightly through your programs. And uh, I, I just must say I'm really impressed, really, really impressed. It's, it's great to get to know you this way. I'm kind of curious about, you know, your life before Influential You because I know that I read your notes and, you know, it sounds like things were going really great, but then something happened. You know, something something didn't go too well. And I'd love to go there. I always love to start there because, look, uh, I don't mm. I, I love to celebrate triumph as much as I can. But I know that there's the hardship and I'm interested to know mm. what happened. So mm. how was life before and what happened? Let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I think part part of why why I wrote, you know, life was great because sometimes you have to kind of really understand that what you went through as unfortunate or as horrible as it might have been is actually the blessing, right? Um, and I say that because, you know, I found myself, um, for example, the beginning of this week at a conference with a bunch of um, accounting educators, leaders in the industry, and I was sort of walking down this pathway and just realizing how lucky I was to be in the presence of this community of people who loved me and supported me and, and have always been advocates for, for what I stand for in the accounting industry. Um, and I, and, and I, I got grounded in that blessing because what, what led up to that was some very significant and unfortunate events um, yeah. that had they not happened, I would have never been there. And so what, what I mean by that is this, um, you know, when I moved to New York City, um, I just finished college uh, and, you know, you're, and I'd gotten into a dance company and I was really excited. And as a dancer, I was performing on all of the main stages and doing the thing and, and getting paid for rehearsals and performances. But the truth is, is, even though I had quote made it, I wasn't making enough money. And so I had to kind of find a way 
um, to, to generate some income. And so, of course, I started in the nonprofit sector and realized there at that point there wasn't a lot of resources. And, and so then along came this person who worked in the bookkeeping space and said, hey, you've got some skills. I want to support you as an artist. Come on over. Help me to build my business you'll gain financial success, make your art, and, and we'll all win together, right? And so I said, yes. I mean, it was sort of like the perfect opportunity that, that, that arose in this situation where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing really well at the starving artist thing. Um, I'm very successful at that, but it's not quite working out. So I said yes to that. Um, and I trusted this person. I, I, he was a, a gentleman who um, had sort of represented the person in my life at that time that was helping artists to get paid. He happened to be the bookkeeper for one of my former employers. And so fast forward, I came on board, helped him grow his organization. And that's where I sort of rose to the ranks of being speakers at these conferences and writing all these articles and doing all this stuff. And I was sort of riding high on this seven-year um, pathway of, of being this executive inside of this fast-growing, industry-leading, small business, super powerful accounting consulting firm. Um, until one day, I got uh, an email. I got an email that a client was suing us. And that email was a client that was very close to this individual and very close to the company, had a long history. So it was completely dumbfounded, for, dumbfounding for me. It was like, why, why, why? So I texted my business partner and asked him, you know, what was going on? Um, meanwhile, I was sort of on way and en route to a, a rehearsal, a tech rehearsal for a performance. Mm -hmm. So I had been balancing both my art career and my business career. Um, and what he said back to me was, um, you're going to get, uh, the less, you know, the better you're going oh, to get my. some emails from it, some attorneys and just follow along and like that, like talk about putting the fear of God in, in, in who <laughs> you are. Right. And I had, and, and I, it was like so overwhelming. So anyway, so, so then, you know, what basically what happened after that is then the next day I got a stack of papers in the mail about this thick. Um, with a fraud case against the firm in which I was being listed on the not on the bad side of that equation because I was one of the firm executives. And so that sort of wow. not only blew me out of the water in terms of like what what's happening happening to this business, this thing that I had put my heart and soul into over the last seven years, but also just like getting present to the fact that it had happened in that this person I knew and had trusted for longer than seven years. So I'd known him prior to that was actually lying to me the entire time. And so um, yeah. that threw me into this whole experience of having to deal with the legal battle. Um, I unfortunately couldn't afford representation. So I had to represent myself in the United States Supreme Court commercial division, which is not recommended at all. Um, but look, if you don't wow. have the money, you can't, you can't, um, afford it um which is the name of that game but um but yeah then put me into this like two-year period of time where i had to just fight and struggle and push and deal with all of the dynamics of what that meant for me personally what that meant for me professionally how that impacted my relationships how that impacted who i thought i was and who all these other people were around me it was pretty um traumatic uh, and i want to ask you about that one piece because uh you know whenever Whenever that kind of trauma happens to us, there's 
there's a big toll on you. There's the way that you think about yourself or the way you, you know, you may have, you know, lost your own confidence in yourself, or you may have started to not trust people generally, you know, what, what, what happened? What'd you deal with there? Well, um, there, there were a lot of layers for that. I, th I think the first thing, one of the things that the judge said to me um, in my first court appearance was, this is really serious. The next time you show up in the room, you better have an attorney. And um, what else? She, oh, and don't talk to any, don't tell anybody anything. And so oh basically the first thing that, because this whole thing was sort of un, under wraps basically for the first, I would say three weeks of, of what was occurring. Um, so basically I just like hid and freaked out for three weeks, pretending like nothing was going on. And, ha and, and that was really hard for me because I'm the yeah. kind of person that I, lo I love talking to people. I love going out there and saying, Hey, here's right. what I'm doing. Here's what I'm excited about. Here's what's going on. And just being really authentic about who I was. And so at that moment, it was like, no, I have to live a lie. I have to pretend like everything's okay. I have to hide all of this and to compound that further everyone in the case at that point was listed as X, Y, and Z, right? There, there were different parties and this thing, the investigation had been happening for at least two months prior to my um, knowledge of the, of the investigation um, and the whole circumstance. And, and so then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, who's X, who's Y, who's Z, yeah. who's calling me? Can I pick up this phone call? Can I talk to this person? Is that person safe? Is that person? Like it literally cut my entire social. And at that point, remember, I was like speaking at conferences. I was the board president of a chamber of commerce. I was leading communities and conversations around cost. I was deeply ingrained into populations of people who and then how long, suddenly- How long ago came, was this? Yeah. How uh, long ago? Um, 2018, yeah. I think. 2018. About okay. when, when it, in, is when it really hit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a while. So you've had, you know, four or five, six years to get on the other side of it. Mm. And so here you are, mm. uh, where did, where did influential you enter the picture? <laughs> so that's funny. So, so, okay. So I had my like, I hate business moment when that happened. I was like, forget yep. this, forget accounting. That was a bad idea. Let yeah. me go back to dance. And so I went back to dance completely and like, and shoved the business thing off to the side right. and just invested in my creative practice. Um, all the while sort of like, it took about two years really from front to back for that whole thing to get concluded to the extent that I was eventually dismissed from the case and had very minimal financial impact um, on my on my life. There was some, but you know, whatever. Um, uh, but but nonetheless, it, you know, it, it sort of took two years of, of, of sort of processing and digesting and navigating that experience. Um, and then at one point, I realized, I was like, wait a second, <clears throat> even if and I, I hadn't been dismissed at this point, but, but at, at one point I was like, okay, great. So there's one possibility of multiple outcomes where I could just get, you know, tagged for having to pay for my business partner's mistakes. I was like, okay, great. Well, that means I better make some really good money because that's going to be a big bill on the back end of this. Um, <clears throat> and so, so I finally was like, okay, I got to go back to corporate. I got to go back to business because there's no way I'm going to make that kind of money in, in dance. Right. Um, so I started at first doing like the job interview thing and that wasn't quite working for me. I'm not like a work for others kind of person. I'm a work for myself kind of guy. 
Um, and, and then eventually I was like, okay, I, I, I feel comfortable enough kind of tipping my toe back into the accounting industry because that's kind of where my competency was. That were that was where all my relationships were. Yeah, and so sure. I started taking on clients and eventually I took on a client that asked me to be, to sort of serve as the president for the firm for a full year. Um, and in, and it was in that, that contract when I met Josh and, you know, Josh kind of came to me and, and well, I don't want, maybe, maybe you don't want to hear the story yet, but Josh, Josh, uh, let's just say Josh left a great impression. And I was like, okay, that guy knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. and that was kind of how I discovered influential you. Yeah. And I, I remember that very clearly because you were working at a, a company in New York, but you were living in Seattle. And so you had moved across country after all this has gone on. You're kind of, you know, rebuilding what's next. And we started having conversations um, because I think it was uh, Outleads uh, was, mm -hmm. the, was the group we were at. And yeah. I had brought a, it was in the middle of COVID, John, middle of COVID. And these two are networking, which is not surprising after you know the two of us, but we're getting in the networking. We're, we're, we're meeting. You'd kind of moved with me a little bit. You were kind of coming. You were kind of on the edge. You weren't sure you're looking at this program and another what was that thing that we're like, that's it. This is the line in the sand. I have to do the fundamentals of transaction program. What was that moment for you? Um, what was that moment? Okay. Well, I, I feel like that moment was that I was in this role, right. As the president of an, uh, yet again, another accounting firm. And I was like, okay, I don't want to repeat any of the mistakes yeah. or things that I had missed the last go around. Cause we know what happened to that, <laughs> that crazy train. Um, and so I, I, and so I, and, and so when you came into my, my purview, I witnessed you behaving a certain way and that behavior to me was okay. Uh, was, was the kind of behavior that I wanted to practice. And, and so, so really it was about your behavior at that moment that sort of inspired me to sort of lean into it. Um, but then I, but then I started to get to this point inside of the firm that I was with where I wasn't seeing the change that I was looking for. I was, I was, it was experiencing a lot of conflict around, um, cultural transformation and implementing new procedures and, and, and really negotiating a different sort of dynamic with both the staff and the clients that was in essence experiencing resistance. Um, and so I, and so when I looked at the program, I thought, okay, there's gotta be something I'm doing that's, um, naive or inaccurate or, or, or poorly informed or whatever um, <clears throat> around how I'm engaging with the work that I'm doing. And so, so it just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you get into the program and if you're just joining us, you just heard Matthew Hagem's kind of backstory um, and you might hate people and business as much as we do at this very, very moment uh, based on his story. story. Yeah. Boy, I'm sitting there getting angry again. Um, mm. And then you start to learn some things. And one of the biggest takeaways that you wrote down was that people are indifferent to your aims. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe that, maybe some of the other things you kind of realized in the program that you might've been naive to? Mm, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so obviously the issue that I had experienced, <clears throat> excuse me, with my former work colleague was an issue of, of, of somebody I couldn't actually trust, right? And, and so I think what I was naive to was that if people look and act like you, right, there were certain attributes of this person. I was like, oh, this guy's like me. He's like an older version of me. He's super cool. He's super kind. He cares about the world. He wants to do good things. He's like all these things. He's helping artists, right? He's all this. He's like, check, 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 right? 
um, my son was like, okay, then he must be like me. I can trust this guy and like put all my eggs in that basket. And he's got this and I got that and we'll do our thing. Right. Um, and that, obviously that wasn't the case. Right. Uh, and so, so for me, what became apparent was that I was naive to some of the other realities of, of how people operate in the world and how they interact with capitalism and money making and, and, and really the, the impact of the systems and structures that are around us that make us do things that aren't good for others, right? That's, that's in essence what I became more present to. And it, 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 and it was sort of one of those moments where I was like, okay, I have to really take a step back and think about who, who I trust, why I trust them, and whether or not what they're aiming to do in their lives actually supports who I am and who I want to become. And yeah. I never really thought about it um, at that level or at the level of integrity with which influential you approaches that conversation. Um, and yeah. I think the other component to that was that you know, there's the individual and who they are and how they are on the journey. But then there's this thing called the current, right? This sort of energy or this 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 way of being and acting that that happens on sort of a macro level that's influencing people and some of them are being influenced not by their own volition and so then all of a sudden to become present to the possibility that like okay there's all these people they're all trying to get you to do this thing you know I, i'm i'm sort of saboteur style the people pleaser and so i'm like saying yes to everything thinking that oh saying yes is going to be the answer to like all my life's dreams and yet that's not true in part because there's also this current thing floating out there um so yeah i think i think it, it put more integrity around my discretion um uh, in terms of who i choose to engage with mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah really good uh, anything there john well, it's such an important part of the five stages of professional influence because um, one of the things that we address in stage two is that you've immersed yourself in an ambitious peer group that is for your well-defined aims. And so often that is the case that people find themselves in peer groups that aren't necessarily good for their own aims. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, they may work against them. So anyway, I just, you know, kudos to you for, yeah. for finding the right group for yourself. Yeah. And I remember for me, finding out that the people were indifferent to my aims hurt so much. Like it was like this moment of like, oh, no wonder I can play at a street corner and people can walk by and not throw change into the hat or, or things like that. As an artist, it's, it's kind of, um, it hurts a little bit, but some people find it a little more freeing. Not me, not my personality. I, I didn't see it that way. Mm. So oh, you also talked about the fact that now uh, you also learned about the transaction cycle and slowing mm. down to speed up. So tell me a little mm. bit more about knowing where you are in a transaction now with, with your clients. Um, and then we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about how you started this company. But tell me more about what that means, slowing down to speed up where you're at in the, in the transaction cycle. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, it is quite literal, right? And it, it's, um, it's a matter of saying, don't say yes before you know what you're saying yes to, right? That's mm -hmm. sort of the, the first premise of that. So then you've got to ask yourself, well, what am I saying yes to? And so then you have to actually get present to that there is a set of things that you could be saying yes to, which is sort of rewinding back to that there 
are a whole set of possibilities out there. And then, you, and, and then that rewinds you back to that, wait a second, what am I wanting to do? And then, so, so it's sort of this thing where it's like when you get present to where you're at in that transaction cycle, um, you realize that actually there's some essential questions you need to ask before you even begin the work. And I think mm -hmm. what happened to me in my life, right, is I, you know, and I can't, I, I grew up as a poor kid, right? You take the opportunity and you run with it. You do whatever you, I moved to New York City, you get the job, you hustle, right? So it's like, you're in dance, like you get one shot, don't, don't mess it up, you know? And so, and so you have this like energy of needing to say yes to things um, without realizing what you're saying yes to. And, and, and so I think for me, um, it became a question of, of really pausing for a moment and kind of going more deeply to say, okay, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I know you've got this. I know you've got that. I know we could do all these things, but again, why, why is that even important to me? Right. Um, so, so that, that's, I think, and what's actually interesting about that to kind of address the slowing down to speed up part is when you kind of start to realize that there's all these things that you don't even need to be listening to, Right. Like, yeah, send me your podcast. Yeah, give me your audiobook. But actually, it's not even a part of my aims. Like, I don't need to listen to that. I don't need to read that. That's not my jam, you know, and that it's okay to say no to those things. You start to actually create more space for the things that are important to you to arise and to take that space and to take and to begin to grow. And so it's sort of like that, that concept of the exponential, you know, growth. Yeah. It's like you, you release all that stuff. And all of a sudden, you're like, Oh, wow. I can do this really big thing that's really important to me. And I'm actually capable of it because I let go of all this other stuff that wasn't necessary. So. That's great. That's great. So tell us a little bit about how all of that's now unfolded to who you are. You're, you know, you've got your company. Tell us about the company mm -hmm. and, and where you're headed. Oh, and, and right before you answer that, because I know there's a little bit of a story. You finish FOT, you're getting, you're, you're, you're completing the fundamentals of transaction program. I said the whole word, and then you move, you're getting ready to move into another thing. And then it, I don't want to say it happens again, but you kind of got dumped or something happened. There was a, tell, tell us that. Yeah. And then, and then the necessity, because that wow. resiliency is really why you're yeah. here is to talk about how you built this so quickly. Cause it's under a year old at this yeah. point. So tell us, tell us that. Right. Yeah, so 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 John, that that business thing was just one thing that was going on. My, my also there was a lot of mental health issues in my family. There, my mother was going blind. My my then husband had been hospitalized and was suicidal. There was just chaos all around me. Um, and and, and uh, subsequently, I had to like move across the country. Josh, uh, Josh mentioned that in part because I was separating from my husband, and so it was like all of this stuff. And then, of course, COVID was happening and it was pre-vaccine and, and, you know, I was driving across the country with like the West Coast on fire and it was literally felt like the apocalypse <laughs> was sort of occurring as I was moving through this space. Um, and so when I got that, when, when my client turned to me and said, hey, I want to hire you full time to help run the company, it was on the premise of the possibility that I could become a partner of the firm. And so I said yes to that, right? Um, because for me, I, I'm not like a short term kind of guy. I'm a big, big picture guy. I'm, I'm yeah. aiming for something larger. I'm aiming for something more important. If there's no, if I don't have any stake in it, then why am I playing the game, right? Um, and so, so anyway, so, so we went through that experience and actually now that I think about it, it was 
partly you, Josh, thank you, um, for helping me to realize that there was actually some misalignment within the practice that I was leading in inside of the firm. And it was like, oh, wait, why am I not enjoying this? Why, why is there this friction? Why is there this frustration? Why am I upset and not wanting to go to work? Like what's going on there? Um, and so, and so, and my, my, my client, my colleague at that point agreed, like we had, we had all this friction all of a sudden that came out of this dynamic. And, um, and so we decided nonetheless, that I had signed up to join, um, uh, uh, the, the next iteration of the program and I was throwing myself into thrive. And then my cat died, it died, which was like the icing on the cake for me. Cause it was like, you know, I love my cat. She's my baby for like 18 years. So it was like, it just kept coming, 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 coming. And um, yeah, anyways, and so then January rolled around. I was like, okay, here I am. I, uh, that contract is over. My cat died. I'm, I'm sitting in this house in the Pacific Northwest by myself and something, and I, something needs to change. Something needs to shift. And, and that's when, again, I got back to sort of that internal dialogue of like, okay, well, who am I really? What's really important to me? Yeah. And, and perhaps more importantly, I've learned a lot along this journey and I am both an artist and a business person. So why spend my time as I had up to that point separating the two? Why, why was my art life over here and my business life over here? And I was sort of kind of like balancing the two in this really convoluted, complicated way. It worked, but maybe not. And, and so basically I emerged out of that saying like, okay, what if I brought all of that together? What if I said that in being who I am and standing for something that I believe, which is practicing what you preach as an artist, that I would start to apply some of those principles to myself and then share that knowledge through service with the clients that I work with. And so that was the, the real sort of deeper motivation behind um, the creation of 10K Creators. So I think that answered your question, Josh. Yeah. And, and then, it's, um, it's so fun, too, because, you know, I got the opportunity to work the 13 steps with you. And we, we, you know, you remember we, we went at it at some of those points, I think we went two or three meetings and it was like, now are you doing, are you doing the work and taking the action now? How many invitations mm -hmm. are you going to make? And I felt so awful, but I could see you actually being like, oh no, yeah, yeah, that's the process. Let's do the process. How mm -hmm. is the process going? How did the 13 steps help with the 10K creators? Give us some of, of that picture. Like what? You have to say with the 13 steps. That, yeah, the, the 13 steps being uh, one of the, the one of the tools that we use here at Influential You to help people um, make their aims so, if you will. That's uh, right. That, exactly right. So if, for those of you that don't know what it is, you have to come to our website. Welcome to the party. Uh, Matthew, what do you have? Um, yeah, okay. So I think I understand your question. Um, well, first of all, one thing that I discovered about myself in the program, which was really important, was that I am uh, 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 an insane overthinker. Like, I, you give me a word, I will write you a novel about it and then give you five arguments why that word doesn't mean what it means. And then five more on why it means what it means and then not never agree with myself about it afterwards, right? So, and I discovered that in the material. And I think when you talk about the, tra the transaction cycle um, and the 13 steps, there was friction there for me, right? And, and, and in part, because I, I am in the personality type of performer. So I'm like, I'm here now, but then like, you know, when we're done, I don't know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be wherever I'm going to be. Right. And, and yet this transaction site, and I've got my moods and, 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 you know, I, I've since come to acknowledge that like moods are fun, moods are playful, but there were certain moods inside of this experience where I was being 
confronted with this overthinker, this overanalyzer, who was being also informed by a skeptic that was like, wait, who am I trusting here? What's going on? Who's trying to tell me to do what, right? Because remember that script was, and sometimes is still there for me. Um, And so when I was going through these 13 steps, it was like, okay, Matthew, trust yourself because part of the story is if you have trust issues with others then you have trust issues with yourself so part of it was like this constant practice of being of being like okay no i am actually qualified to do this work okay no i actually do know some things that can have have an impact on the people i'm working with okay great check okay then what is it what is that thing okay great but then let me just be clear about designing that thing so that i can deliver it effectively Right, and there was sort of a, a, a sort of a, a meticulousness to this process of creation, right? That up to that point, remember, I've been an artist all my life, so for me, it was like show up in the studio and just make something, right? You didn't ever have to think about what you're making; you kind of knew what you wanted to make and you did it, right? But in business, it doesn't quite, quite, it doesn't always quite work like that, right? And so you, ha- so for me, it was this really nice framework of being able to sort of slow down. Think about all the bits and pieces that are going to go into this thing. And then, and then before you put the next block down on the table, you got to make sure the first block was well cemented in. Right. And mm-hmm. so that, that's what I loved about the experience of going through that with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. blueprint and John, maybe you'll say something else, but I, I like to talk about the 13 steps is, uh, you know, as you're building your transaction, you'll forget more than most people think about, in your project, allowing you to be so much more prepared for what you're about to build. Yeah, There's no silver bullets, but as close as it gets, man, it's probably gonna take some people and some thinking. Uh, anything else you wanna say about the 13 steps? Well, I'm just glad, I, I love listening to the story because um, gosh, I can only imagine what it's like to have in the background, uh, you know, that kind of mistrust of, of others, perhaps mistrust of other systems or processes, or, or maybe even a mistrust in, in my own self, uh, at, at some point, but you know, I've, I've watched so many people use the 13 steps in a way where what they utilize it for is, is it's kind of like, I know I could do this. I know I could do that. I know I could pull from here. I, I have this thought, I, you know, squirrel, you know, suddenly I'm going this direction, that direction. And it's this way in which we go, just do this, just, just this little bit here. Now then do that. Now then do that. Now then do that. And it's like a, a walking through a step by step, moment by moment sort of process that allows people to think accurately about their aims and think accurately about the transactions built to satisfy them. So mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing to hear, you know, you talk a little bit about the, that process. And um, I love the 13 steps. It's where I go for if I'm going to do a project, if I'm going to work on an offer, if I'm going to you know, do something of consequence, I'm going to, I'm going to go through the 13 steps and I can do it like that now, but I, I still use those steps to think accurately about everything. It's a, it's a process that helps, uh, Matthew, anything from you uh, on that, just to piggyback off what John said, does that ring true for you? Yeah. And I, I, I look forward to the day, John, when I'm as savvy as you on the 13 steps, because I do find myself in moments where I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing right now? Rewind. Right. Um, and so I, I, I'm eager to have it be that, that, that when I wake up and do my thing, I'm always like embodying 
the work of influential, which is what you, you know, what you, one of the elements, what, what, what the right. talks about, but yeah, no, I feel you on that. So good. Well, we, we give everyone a soapbox moment, a moment to just shout from the rooftops about something. And that's uh, the time we're at for you, Matthew. So uh, what have you, what have you got for us today? What's something that we can take with us? Yeah, totally. Um, so mind you, if I do a bit of promotion here for oh, a very do. specific Sorry, program. Please do. Okay. So one of my favorite relationships in my life has been with a woman named Dr. Adrian Clancy. She was actually a mentor of mine in college my first choreographer, choreography teacher, who I then started dancing with uh, professionally and then have since then worked with in varying capacities. Fast forward to today, we've managed to find a way to collaborate with each other with her business of 20 plus years as Clancy Works Dance Company and my business as 10K Creators, creating a program called BREAD, Financial Empowerment. Right. And so what that is, it's building racial equity in the arts through dance. And there's a whole background to, to how that program came to fruition and what, you know, what, you know, what, what sort of thought processes went into the creation of it and how it's manifested. Um, but one of the things that emerged out of the last cohort was the need for our community to have a very serious conversation about money and how it shows up in the world of the arts and how that's related to the economic inequalities that occur inside of the systems that we're that we're operating within and so we have we are we're super excited about that program um we were feverishly writing grants to, to fund that program and um, we're enrolling participants in that program now um so i would say if you if you are at least at, at, at on any level slightly interested in the conversation around racial equity and financial empowerment and want to understand how the arts can be a vehicle for that kind of work, then please reach out to me because we are looking for partners, collaborators, mm. sponsors, supporters, participants, you know, you name it. We're trying to fuel that program up because it, it really is sort of a, a beautiful coming together of, of the life work that both of us have been doing in this sort of beautiful, harm, harmonious relationship through this program. So that's, that's the thing I'm like really pumped about right now. Um, so any, any, you know, that's my soapbox. All right. I'm going to be quiet. That's so great. And, and what's that? Where yeah. do we go? What's the website? Yeah. Well, so you go to my website, 10 kcreatorscom okay. and to find out about me. And then if you want to learn more about the program itself, you go to clancyworks.org, C-L-A-N-C-Y works as in working works.org. Right now you'll also notice if you go to my LinkedIn profile, um, I do have a hyperlink to Clancyverse. I am also the Associate Art Artistic Director. I took on that responsibility artistically um, this year. So you, you, you'll sh you should find it without a problem. Great. Love that. Matthew, great. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. Mm -hmm. uh, John and I are going to talk about you, and then we're going to wrap on up. <laughs> we'll, see you. we'll see you soon. What did you hear? What did you, what are you taking from all that? Because I know I've, ah. I got the opportunity to hear a lot of Matthew's story. And I know that I've read Matthew's before. Uh, I read his his. He didn't write any of that in there, so you probably got a lot more than you were thinking. What where what are you thinking with all that? What did you take a look? Well, you know, I, I now next time I'm uh, in Seattle, I'm going to have to spend some time with him because um, I have a similar backstory. You know, I've I've told lots of stories here on the podcast or part of the e coaching, but I have a similar uh, story in the arts. You know, sure. I started in the arts. I have a bachelor's of environmental design. It's mostly about art and architecture. I studied 
University of Florence, blah, blah, blah. So I did a whole bunch of things in Austin, Texas. Tragedy struck. And I spent a great deal of time overcoming a lot of it. And it, it'd be fascinating to, uh, there's some parallels there. Wow. That's all I'll say. So I have a lot of empathy for the experience that he went through. But also, I love the way that he utilized, you know, not only his training in the arts, but his training in business. So he sort of reconciled with business, which I know many people we meet, they have an issue with money, they have an issue with business, they have an issue, there's, you know, something there, and there's a reconciliation to do. So he did a great job of reconciling for himself his relationship to business and combined that with the arts to make something extraordinary. And for that, I'm I'm grateful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was fun talking with him yesterday about the prep for the show. And uh, you know that in the last few weeks, we had we had Liz on, we had Jen Caldwell on, we had Liz Smiley, Jen Caldwell, and that that idea of value, uh, yeah. utility, scarcity. What makes me useful? What makes me the only one that can do it? And him being able to combine those things of accountant and dancer or artist. It's to me, it's it's this beautiful, you know, two tier like that you can't compete with. As a musician yeah. myself, I didn't trust anybody with my money. I didn't trust myself. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it wasn't even my money. It was my mom's money. So I wasn't trusting people with my mom's money. But what I found really quickly is that when you have someone who gets it, that relates to you, it eases a lot of it because he's not coming to you as a suit. He's coming to you as a dancer who also is really skilled here. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to find that value for himself, carve that out and do it so quickly after being dropped. Um, that's a testament to, to kind of the work that he put into yeah. the program. So, so good. Well, very good. Uh, John, anything you want to say before I take you off the no, screen? No, that's it. Let's take us out. All right. Well, hopefully you guys will join us on the Thrive program. And if you're not yet, We'll tell you a little bit more about it, but we go to this screen and we hit that button. And if you'd like to know more about Influential You, please go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're new to Influential You, we recommend you start with Thrive, the self-guided training, which is what Matthew was alluding to earlier. He's in that program right now. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. Let's have Joey put that up on the screen. Joey, if you could put up the URLs, thank you so much. And you can go ahead and look at that right now. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. Sign up today and use promo code 20OFF, that's 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. That's coupon code 20OFF, 20OFF. Next week, we interview Crystal Evans, the owner of Conejo Awards in Thousand Oaks, California. Crystal is an advanced member in our Mechanics and Practice 2 program, and she'll be here in our studio with us to share her story and we invite you to hear what she has to say. Thank you so much for joining us today. Each week we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube so you can easily share this podcast with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place that you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world. 
Special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with contributions from Michael Tihi, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and Liz Smiley. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. And this episode was recorded on September 29th, 2022. The podcast theme is Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week.